listening to a resource from Jambrew Anglican Church. We thank you, Father, so much that you speak to us by the Bible and that through your Holy Spirit we can know more about you and ourselves. And we pray this morning that we would be blown away by your grace and your mercy as we look at the blessings that you have blessed us with. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we reflect upon the impact of COVID-19, we can again say that Australia is the lucky country. Even as we face a growing threat of community transmission, we're blessed to have such a low mortality rate. And even as our governments hand out welfare at an incredible rate, uh, we're pretty confident that our economy is strong enough that we'll be able to manage it. And even though we can't travel overseas, well, you could do worse than being locked up in Australia as a tourist destination, really. I mean, we are very much the lucky country. For us Aussies, the term lucky is often synonymous with the word fortunate. And so, for example, if someone has a car accident but they're not really hurt, we'd say, oh, gee, they were lucky. Or maybe if someone in this environment at the moment has been able to keep their job and maybe their business has got bigger, they'd say, whoa, gee, they're lucky. We think of lucky as being another way to describe fortunate. But the funny thing is about the word lucky is it has that idea of chance to it. It's sort of like, well, it could have gone either way, some sort of divine flip of a coin, luck this way, lady luck's on my side, all that sort of stuff. It's got that sense of randomness to it. And sometimes people will say that's the case with Australia. The fact that we are so fortunate is just because we've, well, all the luck's been on our side that way. Uh, I uh, learnt this week that the expression, the lucky country, is actually misunderstood by most Aussies. The term was coined back in 1964 by Donald Horn in his book, The Lucky Country. And basically, he says, here's a quote from his book. He says, Australia is a lucky country run mainly by second-rate people who share its luck. It lives on other people's ideas, and although its ordinary people are adaptable, most of its leaders in all fields so lack curiosity about the events that surround them that they're often taken by surprise. So when he says that we're the lucky country, it's kind of like, man, they were lucky to be like they are, given how... Australians really are. (laughs) It wasn't a term of endearment, it was a put-down. It's saying, given Aussies are so rubbish, it's amazing they've got a good life. (laughs) I don't care whether it's good luck or whatever. I I think we've got a great life, and I kind of figure we're a bit like Stephen Bradbury winning the gold in speed skating. Doesn't matter, we got the gold! Hey! (laughs) Aussie, 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 you know. We might even go far, so far to say that we are not just the lucky country or the fortunate country, that we are the blessed country. We wouldn't normally say that, would we? You know, we say to someone, you know, how good is it, how good is it to be Aussie? Yeah, we, re- we are really blessed. We may not say that so often, but we are blessed. Our standards of living in Australia are amongst the highest in the world. When people have protests, they rarely turn into serious riots. And I reckon as we face a global pandemic, there's no health system I'd rather be in than the Aussie one. We are, whether we're lucky or not, we're certainly blessed. 
But you know, it's possible to be more blessed than being an Aussie, and that is to be a a Christian. Because Christians are the most blessed of all. Christians are the most blessed of all. We are the most fortunate of all people. We are blessed, not because of good luck, not because of some sort of random chance. There is nothing accidental about it. It is all by God and for God. But like Australia, perhaps, it was against the odds. Because we don't deserve God's blessings. It's not like we can say, you know, how good am I? I'm going to get up to heaven and God will say, oh, let me see your test results. Pretty good. Come on in. It's not like that at all. You can't turn up with a CV or a recommendation. or It's like, throw it in the bin. It doesn't work that way. And it won't work that way. We don't deserve God's blessings. But there's something else that's really surprising, and that is the nature of the new people of God. This is a really important thing we see in the book of Ephesians that we'll look at over the next 17 weeks. We would never have imagined that you could have Jews and Gentiles being totally together. The whole Jewish temple was set up with a big wall that said, Gentiles, stay out. And now, under Jesus... The temple is open. There's a new living temple. And it now says, Gentiles, you are part of us. This is a mind-blowing thing, and we'll explore that in the coming weeks as well. In fact, what I've just described, the fact that we are blessed and that it's all from God's hand and that Jews and Gentiles, and that we don't deserve it and that Jews and Gentiles are together, that's sort of a summary of the first half of Ephesians, Ephesians chapters 1, 2, and 3. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 are all about what God has done for us. And then we get to the second half of the book of Ephesians, chapters 4, 5, and 6. It's all about how we will live in response to that. Now, if, you're, if you've been with us for a little while, you'll know that when we looked at the book of Romans, the first 11 chapters were all about what God's done for us. And then the last 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, the last five chapters are all about how we live in response to that. Ephesians is the same, except it's a little bit more even. Three chapters, what God's done. Three chapters, how we respond in our lives to his blessings. So that's the big plan. We kick it off with Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, which says... Actually, I'll read, why don't I read the whole of the section out, verses 1 through to 8. And Well, as I do so, what I want you to do is I want you to look out for anything that, that, that jumps out as a bit interesting, or maybe a word that's used a lot, or anything that you think, wow, I wouldn't have thought about it that way, or any particular themes and, and stuff like that. Have a little listen and, and see what, you, what jumps out at you as we look at this. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to God's holy people in Ephesus, who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family 
by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. What did you notice? What jumped out at you? As I was reading that, were there any key words or ideas or stuff that you thought, ah, that's interesting? Call them out. Yell them out. Grace. Grace. God's grace is there. It's a beautiful word. What else? Kindness. Kindness. A great word, isn't it? What else? Belonging. Belonging. Yeah. And related to belonging? What else? Adoption. adoption, yeah, exactly. Adoption, interesting, isn't it? To think about adoption, that we are adopted. What else? We are in, in Christ. We are in Christ. It's an interesting kind of way of thinking about stuff. Yeah, we'll look at that in a moment. Anything else? Freedom. Pardon? Freedom. Freedom, yeah. What else? Chosen, Chosen. yeah. The, there's this real thing that God's in control, choosing us. Interesting, isn't it? We're going to have a look at that in a moment. Anything else? That's lots. That's the kind of stuff we're looking at here. Let's explore it in a little bit more detail. Back to where we were, verse 1. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. This is Paul. It's the Paul. Paul's the guy who tried to kill off Christianity. And then Jesus said, no, you're going to be a leader of Christianity. And I'm going to get you to be the guy who's going to plant churches. And you're going to go around and tell people about Jesus and write it down. And it's going to be part of the Bible. God is the one who has been in control of that. And so that is why it can say he can say it's from Paul, chosen by the will of God. It's kind of like he has been brought in. It's, he's been conscripted into this mission. And it's not like he's sad about it, but it's like God is in control. And this is a key word right from the very, very start. This is from Paul the Apostle. He's the guy who wrote it. And what's more, the other thing we see with all of this is that God is totally in control. And I'll tell you what, that is pretty handy to know right now, isn't it? Uh, you, it, was, it, it was interesting to hear the update this week by some of the number crunches in Canberra, our federal treasurer and the finance minister, and they're talking about all the numbers from the last financial year, and they reckon that we're, we're only going to spend overspend about $181 billion. Should be right. And everyone's kind of like, what is it going to be like? You know, we're, we're assuming in all of the numbers that from the 1st of January there'll be international travel. That's part of the forecast. And there's a forecast of this and a forecast of that. Forecasts? <laughs> Who knows? How many global pandemics have we been through? Me personally? None. So uh, how is this going to work? God is totally in control. He's not down up there looking down going, oh, this is a bit dicey. No, totally in control. But why do we need to, but who was this written to? Well, he says, I'm writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. God's holy people. It's a message for God's holy people. 
Other Bible translations will use the word saints because that's what a saint is. It's just a holy person. Uh, some traditions of, the, Angli- uh, of, the, of the, um, the Christian church will sort of say that saints are only special people. But if you are a follower of Jesus, you are a saint. It's pretty cool. You know, St. Mandy, St. Graham, St. John. Yay! Uh, St. Anyone, anyone's here. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're a saint. You're a holy person. And you are, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are his precious possessions, his holy ones, his special people. But it's written to God's people in Ephesus, which is a part of uh, in modern-day Turkey. Interesting that other bits of the Bible that Jesus, that Paul has written, what are, what are, call out some of the other letters that he's written. Galatians, Romans, Corinthians, Philippians, 1 and 2 Corinthians, a whole lot of these other letters. Often they, they've got a few shout-outs in it. So, you know, say good day to Dave when you see him. You know, give Mary a big hug when you bump into her. So there's that kind of feel to those letters. You don't really get that in this letter to Ephesians. And some people say, well, what does that mean? I think it's just because it, it, it was intended by him to, to be in it for amongst a group of people, but, but quite generally amongst a, a whole lot of churches. I think that's the best understanding of it. And it has that general feel as a general letter. Okay, well, that's the, the from bit and the to bit. We get a short greeting, verse 2. It says, May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. It's a little prayer. It's a prayer that God the Father and Jesus will give them two things. The first is grace. Grace is a beautiful word. Grace is all about undeserved kindness. You know, sometimes people will interpret grace in all sorts of strange ways. Grace is just this amazing kindness. It's when you do not, when you get what you don't deserve and you don't get what you do deserve. That's grace. It's a beautiful thing. And there's a second thing he prays for and that is peace. It's not kind of like a peaceful, easy feeling like peace, man. It's not that kind of peace. It's the peace you have when war is over. When the one that you have been trying to hunt down and kill, you now embrace. And the peace in particular is the peace between humans and God. It's hard. I've been following Jesus pretty much most of my life, and I can't think of a time when Jesus wasn't my friend. But to think that there was a time when I wasn't friends with him, when I was his enemy, but to now be given peace, that peace, so that that I don't fear the coming judgment, I don't fear the day when I stand up there with Jesus, oh, gee whiz, I'm not looking forward to that day. It's like, can't wait, bring it on. Because I'm at peace with Jesus. That's his prayer. It's a prayer for grace and peace. It's a lovely little prayer. It's a lovely way to sign off emails too, if you like. It's, it's a beautiful little summary of God's unmerited kindness and the peace, the, the reconciliation that comes from it as well. Well, having had that first little introduction, we get to one sentence in the original language from verse 3 through to 14 in the Greek, one sentence. And it's 202 words in the original Greek. Uh, Just a bit of a nerd note for you, for those who are interested in this sort of stuff. Uh, in, In the Greek, all of the letters are written in uppercase. They don't have upper and lower case. What's more, they don't bother putting gaps between words. So it's just this string of 
capital letters, one after the other, and they certainly didn't have punctuation. So they've got this massive slab of text. It's a little bit like those memes you get on Facebook and say, oh, only 5% of the population can see the word. What about you? Uh, it's not quite like that, but uh, it's this slab of text and we're going to dig in and have a look at it. We're not going to look at the whole 14 verses today. We're just going to look at verse 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 and 8. But you know what it's all about? The bottom line, it's about God's mind-blowing blessings. Blessings, 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 blessings. Have a look at 3a. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Uh, the, if you look at another translation of the Bible, what we've got is great. But you, it says, blessed be God who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. So it's like it's the same word. Blessing, 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 blessing. It's hitting us between the eyes. It's all about the blessing. And so we bless God or we praise God. So it's, the, it's the same idea. Blessings are everywhere. I, I think probably you'd... The Aussie translation would be, you know, good on you, God, for making us so lucky. It's sort of, blessed be God for every spiritual blessing. And you see here that when it talks about God, it's talking about God, the Father, the first person of the Trinity. Keep your eyes out as we're looking through the six chapters of Ephesians that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the three persons of the Trinity, are all doing different stuff at different times. It's lovely to see the way in which they as a team, one God, three persons, work to bless us and to bring salvation. But what is this blessing like? You might think it's about physical blessings. And we in Australia are very physically blessed. It's actually not talking about that. It is talking about spiritual blessings. Have a look at where the blessings are. Verse 3. All praise to God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. We have received spiritual blessings. Blessings that are of the Spirit in that sense. They are the things that the Holy Spirit loves to give us. In the book of Galatians, it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self faithfulness, self-control. I think that's right. Uh, all this stuff, that is the, that's the heart of those spiritual blessings. And we see that those spiritual blessings are in the heavenly realms. They're not blessings right here, right now that we can see. They are. That, it's like Jesus sort of said, store up your treasures in heaven. That's where it's all about. It's about your relationship. It's about the blessings we have in the heavenly realms in the now and in the future. That is the blessings. You know, some Christians will bang on about how if you give money to the church, then you're going to get all these spiritual blessings from God. It's disgusting. If you happen to have a Netflix subscription, go and check out the show American Gospel. It's a whole, it's an amazing show. All of these really switched on evangelical Orthodox Christian people. It's not wishy-washy, pop kind of LA sort of. It's wow, really right on the money talk about God, Jesus and the Bible. And the particular angle in this documentary is all about the horrors of the prosperity gospel. And you can see it there. Uh, check it out. It's worth looking at. But the point is, I, I don't want a bigger house or a better car or, or you know, a nicer you know, watch or something. I, I want to have my blessings in Christ and the spiritual blessings. That's where it's all on about. And in Christ, we've got the lot. And that is 
awesome. But all of this happens, we see, because we are united with Christ. That's the name of our series, United with Christ. It's a really lovely way to talk about what the Bible talks of being in Christ. Uh, if someone said to me, what does it mean to be Christian? I don't think I'd naturally say it means that I am in Christ. But the Apostle Paul uses that all the time to talk about what it means to be a Christian. Those, who, those in Ephesus who are in Christ. Those in Christ in Rome. Those in Christ. It's about being fully connected to Christ in every way. Let's say you really wanted to get into the member's seat in the SCG to see the cricket and you don't have a member's pass but you know someone who does. And for some strange reason, they're wearing a really, really massively big coat. Now, if you are really, really sneaky, don't do this. I'm not telling you to do this. But hypothetically, you could actually go up to your mate and say, mate, any chance I could sort of sort of hop under your coat and so that when you go through the gate, they'll let me in as well. It's like... Sure, what could possibly go wrong? Under you go, it's kind of got this big coat, you're walking in, just one of you, and you go and you're through. Because you are in Mike, rather than, or in Chris instead of in Christ, then you're actually able to go in because you are united with that guy who's just got you in for free. Don't do that. I'm not, the minister's not saying, I can get it. No, no, I'm not doing that. But the point is that when you are united with Christ, every blessing, everything that comes to Christ comes to you. And that's why it is so awesome to say, I'm in Christ. Whoa. And it's so awesome to say we are united with Christ. And in Ephesians, we personally are united with Christ. And as we come to it, we'll see how Jews and Gentiles together are united with Christ, which is just absolutely mind-blowing. Anyway... We're fully connected to Christ. That's basically what it's saying when we're saying we are united with Christ. Fully connected to him. Everything that is his is ours and this is the miracle. But how did it happen? Well, I hope you've already been a bit blown away by this stuff. But I tell you what, that was just the warm-up act. Because what you're about to see is truly amazing. Have a look at verse 4. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Don't let that just wash over you, sort of like, you know, blah, 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 Bible, blah, blah, blah. Before he made the world, he's thinking, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to make a world. Before he even did that, he loved you and chose you in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. That's a long time ago. It's a really long time ago. And God was thinking about you. If you've come to Jesus and you've said, Jesus, I want you to be my king, not me. And I'm sorry for all the years where I've been serving myself and not you. I'm really sorry. Will you forgive me? If you've said that to Jesus or something like that, then you are in Christ. And in fact, the reason you've said it is because he has loved you and has chosen you before he even created the world. Before he's thinking, you know, oh, earth, I think blue and green go together well. Before that, he was loving you and choosing you. This is mind-blowing. He chose us also. Why? Because he loved us. He loved us. It's not like, well, I've got a lot of spare seats. I need to fill them. I've got to get these tickets sold. No. He loves you. You are loved. Stand before the mirror in those dark days and say, I am loved because Jesus loves me. I am loved. 
and I am chosen. This is mind-blowing. And he did it so that we might be holy, that we might be blameless in his sight. He wanted to take us from being this evil, dirty, godless person to be scrubbed up so that he would now see us as being as though we are Christ. Innocent, blameless, holy in his sight. This is a beautiful thing. And you think, what have I done to deserve that? Nothing. Zero. Zilch. Nothing. But the amazing news doesn't stop there. Verse 5. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Oh, it's a beautiful, beautiful sentence here. I particularly love that. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure, you know, for the, yeah. But you see, we see uh, uh, the idea that God has determined in advance what will happen. He decided in advance, if you look at some other translations of the Bible, they'll sometimes use a nerdy word called predestination. Um, Our translation here, the New Living Translation, I love what it's done. It said, look, don't get bogged down with that. Here's a really easy way to understand that. God decided in advance. It's it's very spot on. But if you've heard that word predestination before, you think, wow, so that's saying that before the creation of the world, God said, I am choosing Mandy to be mine. That's what it means. Decided in advance. Now, sometimes that can be hard to comprehend. I've got to say the idea of predestination has been a bit of a choking point for some Christians. Some Christians say, you know, I believe that God's in control of absolutely everything in the world, except for that bit where he's taken me to the line and says, okay, you've got two doors. You can choose the you door or the Jesus door. You've got two choices You've got one choice of two options, you choose. And that's up to me, but God is behind everything else. I don't see that in the Bible. I think what we see here when it says that God decided in advance, that he predestined us, that he's actually saying that, that even the decision for us to follow Jesus is something that he has got his hands all over. And I'm really thankful for that because I know myself and I know that if you did say to me, Jody, you choose to live your own life or submit to Jesus, I'd be like, door A, gone. Where did he go? Gee whiz, I can only see the dust behind his feet. That would be what I would naturally do. And in fact, all of us would. The Bible says that no one is righteous. No, not one. We sometimes feel this a little bit. We think a bit too highly of ourselves. You know, I'm not like them. You know, I'm, look at me. I'll, I'll, be, I'll choose the right door. No, you won't. Look at yourself like God looks at yourself. And we'll get that in four weeks' time when we get to Ephesians chapter one, chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. You were dead in your transgressions. You, you were totally dead. I've seen some dead bodies in my time, and it's, it's weird and quite dis- disturbing. But I tell you what, I don't expect them to sort of say, I'm going to follow Jesus. No, it doesn't work that way. And when you're spiritually dead, the same thing is true. Predestination makes sense. He's in control of absolutely everything. Now, there are other things to go with that that we can try and get our heads around. You might even ask me a question for next week. If predestination is the case, what about this? What about that? God's justice. How, does it, how is it fair? How do I have a real choice? You could ask me those questions. I'm just flagging that right now. But it's a beautiful doctrine. It's a comforting doctrine. That Praise God that he's got that under control. 
I think that predestination does make ultimate sense. I think it's what we've got in the Bible, and I think if we find it hard to swallow sometimes, we just need to understand more about who we are, really, and how awesome God really is. But what are we predestined to? What is it that God has decided in advance to do? It says that he's decided to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. Adoption is a mind blowing concept as well I've got to say you know you've got you've got kids of your own or maybe you don't have kids or whatever you say I am going to get a person who's not in my family and I'm going to make them part of my family in every single way it's not like when you have visitors around you think oh, we've got visitors coming let's let's tidy the place up a little bit you know be on your best behavior because the visitors are coming it's like no when you're adopted as a part of the family it's like you're really part of the family warts and all you see it really like it is And what's more, when mum and dad fall off the perch, then you get to keep the house. You know, it's that's that's what it means to be adopted. It's not you're just not a visitor, you're not a boarder. You get the inheritance. That is what it means for us in God's family. It's not like, well, please take a seat in my holy church thing. It's like, no, it's yours. You're adopted. Uh, there's a great person of faith, um, a great leader in the Christian church passed away last weekend, J.I. Packer, Jim Packer. Uh, he's written uh, more than 70 books about Jesus and, and he is one of the greats and uh, he's now at age 93, he's gone to be with Jesus, which is wonderful and glory. Uh, he summarised in three words the Christian faith. He said, adopted by propitiation. Now, two of those words are harder to understand. The one in the middle is a little easier. The, uh, the idea of propitiation is that God would no longer have a personal anger towards us. It's a beautiful idea, propitiation. But adoption's the other thing. That it's not just about being saved. That's great. It's not about going to heaven only. I mean, that's really awesome. But being adopted? Wow. Adopted by propitiation. It's a beautiful thing. And we see also, this last thing here, it's what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. It's a lovely, fresh translation of the idea behind that. It's kind of like he did this because it makes God happy. I don't know if you've ever thought about what makes God happy or whether God would need to be made happy. But it says that it is for God's pleasure that he chooses us. It's kind of funny, isn't it? He's sitting down there thinking, who am I going to choose? Oh, you know, I might choose Rick. <laughs> That'd be fun. Where are we going? He has a little, little laugh, <laughs> especially when he gets to Rick. Like, <laughs> I'm just picking random people mainly. But you know what I mean? It's kind of like, wow, this is, this is fun. It gives God the giggles, sort of. So I don't mean to be disrespectful. But you know what I mean? It's the pleasure of choosing us. It's not about how good's the world, you know, pretty amazing. Ocean's pretty cool. Check out the Himalayas. Go and have a look at Yosemite. Great Barrier Reef, not bad. Hey, it's like, no, he's talking about Bev. He's talking about different, you know what I mean? He's, look, he's looking at us and he's saying, wow, it's mad. It's wow, this is exciting me right here, you know. This is his pleasure. Choosing us for adoption brings God pleasure. Isn't that lovely? Now, we are pleasure-seeking creatures, aren't we? Don't deny it. If you're not a pleasure-seeking creature, then uh, really? 
I, I think you'd like chocolate, don't you? Unless you're allergic and it makes you choke. I can understand you might not, but you'll find something else. Chocolate, laughter, hugs, gadgets, winning. All those other things that bring you pleasure, they're okay. They're great. Good. We're pleasure-seeking people. And because pleasure is such a powerful attraction, we naturally pursue it. How much more that we might seek our pleasure in God. But when you think of God, his pleasure is in us. It's wonderful, isn't it? That's what he naturally pursues. And I wonder if how that makes you feel about God. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm happy thinking God is amazing. That he is so, he loves us so much because in loving us, it actually brings him glory. And I tell you, when you understand this, it should bring you great praise to God. Verse 6. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. We praise him. That's why we sing. That's why we tell people about stuff. You know, if, if, you've, if you've suddenly bought something really good and it's a, it's a good buy and it was cheap and it, it's been great, you'll tell people about it and say, well, mate, you should check out this thing i got. Oh, really? What's it like? It's awesome. Get, get, it, get yourself one of these. You praise the stuff because it's good. How much more do you praise God and, and say to other people, being a follower of Jesus is the best thing. I tell you what, this COVID thing's messing us up, but I tell you what, I have a firm foundation and I know where I'm going. I know what's happening. I, and I tell you, it's all because of Jesus. We praise Jesus to others. We praise Jesus to himself. And when you know God's grace, you praise him. He has poured out his grace. He has lavished it on us. And it's for us who belong to his son, Jesus. But the words of praise don't stop there. Verse 7, second last verse. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He's not just kind and gracious. He's rich in kindness and grace. I don't think rich as in like really wealthy. I, I kind of think of rich more like when you get double chock ice cream and then you get double cream and you pour it on the top and then you get extra strong caramel sauce and you put it all over the top and then you think need some chopped chips on they go <laughs> and you eat them and you can actually feel your body reacting it's like, <laughs> that's rich there's that richness it's like you could have vanilla are you kidding me there's that richness he is rich in kindness, rich in grace. And he's rich in this kindness and grace, so rich that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. But don't think for a second that God's rich blessings were cheap. He made the biggest purchase of eternity. His blessings were very expensive. They cost his only son. Get your head around that. One son, given up while we were enemies. Jesus died for us. That is the cost of this rich blessing. Very, very expensive. He purchased our freedom by the sacrifice of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. 
to have blood, it, re it required a death, the death of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, his innocence exchanged for our guilt. And now we have forgiveness. What a beautiful gift that is, to be forgiven. Ever borrowed something from somebody and accidentally cracked it or scraped it or messed it up and you're thinking, oh, I've got to give it back and it's got a big, huge gash out of it. Oh, is he going to forgive me? Is she going to let me off the hook? And they say, oh, don't worry about it. I'm getting a new one tomorrow. Oh, thank goodness. Woo. That's a tiny little thing. Compare that to turning up to God and saying, I'm terrified about when I die. What's he going to do? How's he going to treat me? Tell you what, if you come to Jesus and said, I want you as my king, not me, and I'm sorry that I've lived my life for myself, will you forgive me? He said, yes, forgiven. And that is a beautiful thing to no longer be seen as guilty in God's sight, but now as innocent. There's a beautiful book by a, a, a great guy called John Chapman, and it's called A Fresh Start. It's a beautiful expression. It's a book that tells you about how to become a Christian. The idea of having a fresh start, turning over a new leaf. Sometimes we love the idea of thinking, you know, I might move to a completely different country where no one knows me and I can sort of start it again. You know, that's, that's a lot of work. Uh, you can just come to Jesus and say, I'm sorry, and he gives you a fresh start. And it's forgiveness and very, very costly. But what else is it like? This final verse today. He has showered his kindness on us lavished his kindness on us with all wisdom and understanding. Kindness, lavished. From our first reading from the Old Testament today, we saw a bit about Solomon. What did he want more than anything? He wanted wisdom and understanding. And God gave that to him. Also made him extremely rich. Uh, but that's another story. That's, we're not Solomon. But you see, what he wanted was wisdom and understanding, and he got it because it was the most valuable thing of all. And we got it. You and I've got it. You may not think that every single thing you do is wise. Some of your friends might think that not everything you do is wise. But you've been given God's wisdom and understanding as it develops and as you understand it more. This is a beautiful thing. Above all, it is kindness beyond measure. What an amazing picture we've had here of these blessings from God. His mind-blowing love and the love that leads us to praise him. I know that the guy who invented the phrase lucky country was essentially giving us a backhanded compliment. That's another Aussie kind of term, isn't it? He's sort of saying that it's a fluke, that we Aussies have got it as good as we have, given how rubbish we are. Thanks, mate. But there might be a little bit in that, perhaps. But I tell you what, it's an absolute fluke that we are saved by Jesus because we've got nothing to bring to him. And I don't want to say we're lucky as in chance, but we are lucky to be loved by Jesus. We are lucky. We are fortunate. We are blessed. We are blessed to be adopted in his family to the praise of his glorious grace. Let me pray. Our loving Father, we are just blown away by your loving kindness. We thank you so much that you have adopted us before the creation of the world, that you predestined us in love. And we thank you for this with our whole heart. With everything we have, we say thank you. Amen.
Thank you for listening to this resource from Jamru Anglican Church. For more information, head to jamruanglican.com.